Welcome to Beef and Forage Roundup, on-farm research and demonstration with host Chantal McRae. This podcast is a production of Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiatives, created to share information with farmers, producers, and agriculture enthusiasts to showcase the important work that is happening at MBFI. Our podcasts drop on the first and third Wednesdays of each month. We will be sharing information through interviews with General Manager Mary Jane Orr, project leads for various projects, MBFI's team members, speakers from our extension events, industry leaders, and industry suppliers. This podcast will dig deep into on-farm research and field testing practices related to beef cattle and forage production and efficiency and sustainability of practice in the agricultural industry in Manitoba. We will be sharing information on upcoming training and workshops, field and farm demonstration tours, education materials, and events at MBFI as well as producer profiles from around the province and information on their trials, challenges, innovation, and results. We encourage you to browse our social media accounts and website for links to more information on projects, upcoming events, and important deadlines. Information on our social accounts and website can be found following the show and in the show notes. As always, we encourage you to email us if you have feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for the show at information at mbfi.ca. Linda Nickel is the Executive Director for the Manitoba Association of Watersheds. She has worked in nonprofit organizations for over 15 years, specializing in strategic planning, operations, and communications. Linda has a Bachelor of Arts in Political Studies and is committed to ongoing professional and personal development to support her work. In her role as Ma's Executive Director, Linda oversees all aspects of the association, including member services, program development, industry engagement, and stakeholder relations. Dan Cox is the project manager for the Manitoba Association of Watersheds. He brings 14-plus years of project management experience in the renewable energy sector to the MAW project team. Dan's educational background includes a Bachelor of Science from the University of Winnipeg and an advanced diploma in GIS from Red River College. His role within the organization is to oversee all projects which MAW administers on behalf of the watershed districts in Manitoba. Welcome to the podcast today, Linda and Dan. Today we are showcasing the role and positive impact of the watershed districts in Manitoba. Two main topics that fall under the scope of the work that is being carried out by the Manitoba Association of Watersheds that we'll be discussing today are the Manitoba Watersheds Living Labs and the numerous beneficial management practice incentive programs. Before we start, can each of you tell me a little bit about your role and work with the Manitoba Association of Watersheds? My name is Linda Nickel. I'm the Executive Director of Manitoba Association of Watersheds. I've been with the organization for just about two years now uh, and oversee all facets of our operation, including strategic partnerships and program delivery. And my name is Dan Cox. I am the Project Manager for Manitoba Association of Watersheds. I oversee all the programs that MA administers uh, on behalf of the watershed districts uh, and, and support of the watershed districts been with Ma for just over two years, and uh, really looking forward to talking about Living Labs. Great, thank you. So Linda, before we get into kind of the specifics of the topics that we're going to talk about, we have a few questions for you, kind of talking about the background of the Association of Watersheds, just kind of set the scene for our listeners. So can you share a background on the Manitoba Association of Watersheds and how the watershed districts have evolved over time? Happy to. Manitoba watershed districts have operated for about 50 years in the province. They were formerly known as Manitoba Conservation Districts, 
and they've collaborated with farmers, landowners, communities, nonprofits, and all levels of Canadian and Indigenous governments to protect Manitoba's watersheds. There's been a significant change in the last couple of years. In January 1st, 2020, the former 18 conservation districts became 14 watershed districts with changes um, to our legislation and the proclamation of the Watersheds District Act. The key changes of that act were to move the districts to watershed-based boundaries to improve management of floods, droughts, and water quality, renamed our former conservation districts to watershed districts to emphasize their mandate, and to allow watershed districts to form partnerships with non-municipal entities, including Indigenous and First Nations governments, to enhance watershed management. In addition to the new legislation, Manitoba's watershed districts have access to dedicated resources to get more done on the landscape. Watershed districts are key delivery agents for the Conservation Trust created in 2018 and are the sole delivery agents of the Growing Outcomes in Watersheds or GROW program, which was announced in 2019. Both the Conservation and GROW Trusts are provincial investments that are managed by Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation. Watershed districts are also the sole delivery agents of funding through MAW's Prairie Watersheds Climate Program, which is funded by AAFC's On-Farm Climate Action Fund. On the Manitoba Association of Watersheds website, it cites taking steps to build Manitoba's resilience to floods, droughts, climate change, nutrient loading, and more. How is that approached across the province? The approach varies throughout the province, but all districts offer programming through Growing Outcomes in Watersheds, or GROW, which aims to improve watershed resilience and water quality. For example, there are programs that support perennial grass riparian buffers in areas prone to flooding to help retain soil and protect the environment during flood events. Upland restoration projects to plant trees, which help prevent erosion and protect waterways. There's also cover cropping programs through GROW or Prairie Watersheds Climate Program to protect soil health, retain nutrients, and help keep the soil fertile in the event of drought or flooding. These are just a few of the examples of the variety of watershed programs available around the province. You've mentioned before that there are several different watershed districts. How different are they across the province and are there differences in the focus of each of their programming? Each watershed has its own unique integrated watershed management plan. These plans set the goals for the watershed and guide the implementation of programs to address issues like flooding and drought resilience based on the local needs. So there is a significant variance in programming types and priorities around the province. We're gonna get into some of the specifics of the province-wide programming in a minute, but before we do that, can you give me an overview of what producers should broadly be aware of or anything that you'd like to share some information about? The Watershed District Program is built on shared opportunities that support the implementation of robust integrated watershed management plans throughout Manitoba. The program aims to protect and improve watershed health, building climate resiliency, protecting and improving water and soil health, improving water quality, enhancing surface management and conserving, enhancing and restoring biodiverse habitats. All of these facets of the program are enhanced through strong municipal partnerships. For municipalities not currently engaged in the program, I would note that the expansion process is managed by the province. The first step being for an interested municipal council to request a meeting and pass a resolution expressing interest in joining the watershed district program. We really commend the province for their ongoing commitment to expansion of the watershed district program and MAW supports the interest of municipalities to join the program 
for access to funding through the Prairie Watersheds Climate Program and other valuable programming available through watershed districts such as Grow Trust and more. I didn't realize that there were municipalities that weren't part of the districts already. I kind of thought that there was just a map of the province and then everybody was where they were put in. So that's very interesting. Yeah, the majority of municipalities are partnered with watershed districts, and we'd love to see that number grow to 100%. It's something that the province is keenly working on as well to make sure that there's opportunity for them to join when there is interest. We're going to come back to you in a minute. We're going to have a few questions for Dan coming up next. So the Manitoba Association of Watersheds website lists four provincial projects, the Living Lab Eastern Prairies, Growing Outcomes in Watersheds or GROW, Lake Winnipeg Basin, and the Prairie Watersheds Climate Program, or PWCP. For today's episode, we're focusing on the Living Lab outcomes and the future opportunities, as well as the Prairie Watersheds Climate Program. Dan, can you tell me what the Living Lab Eastern Prairies Project is and what the main goals of this project are? So the, the Living Lab Eastern Prairies Project is part of the Living Laboratories Initiative through Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and is a new approach to agricultural innovation in Canada that brings together farmers, scientists, and other collaborators to co-develop and test innovative practices and technologies to address agro-environmental issues. Living Labs Eastern Prairies is part of an initial network of Living Lab projects across Canada, including Prince Edward Island, Quebec, Ontario, and Manitoba. This past July, uh, AAFC announced nine new Living Labs through the Agricultural Climate Solutions Program which are located in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Newfoundland and Labrador, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Living Labs Eastern Prairie is now part of a, a large network of Canadian living labs and we are honored to be part of it. Some of the main goals of Living Labs Eastern Prairies is to conduct research activities in coordination with producers covering the environmental priorities of soil health, water management, habitat conservation and climate change. Thank you. When did the initiative start? Where was the work completed and how were the locations determined? So Living Labs Eastern Prairies started in 2019 uh, and has an end date of March 31st, 2023. Uh, how Living Labs Eastern Prairies started is a tougher story for Linda and me to tell as neither of us were with MOA back in 2019. But what I can tell you is that there was a significant amount of collaboration between MAW and Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada researchers during the proposal writing stage and that included the determination of the four watersheds, which include Assiniboine West Watershed District, Red Boyne Watershed District, Pemina Valley Watershed District, and St. Rat Rosso Watershed District were chosen, and the, and the corresponding watershed districts. The four watershed districts were chosen based on the range of diverse landscapes, diverse agricultural practices, and major livestock production systems within their watershed boundaries. Within each watershed, the watershed district worked to identify producers within their boundaries who would be interested in participating in innovative research on their farm. And can you run us through the activities and how the work was facilitated with agriculture and agri-food Canada? For sure, there's a, a long list of, of activities that are, are available both in detail on MAW's website as well as agriculture and agri-food Canada's website. But as I outlined earlier, there are four main living lab eastern prairies environmental priorities, that being soil health, water management, habitat conservation, and climate change. The project is divided into internal activities led by AAFC research teams and external teams led by MAW and carried out by the Watershed Districts, Nature Conservancy of Canada, and the International Institute for Sustainable Development. Overall, there are 
10 internal research AAFC activities, everything from carbon sequestration and rotational grazing, soil health monitoring, preventing water and nutrient loss via storing water on the, on the farm, tile drainage, uh, soil, slow release fertilizer efficacy, and assessing beneficial insects habitats while minimizing production risk. The one-page fact sheets for all the AFC research products can be found on, on Ma's website. On the external side, the proposal was broken down into nine activities, four of which were led by the watershed districts, and this included soil health activities, perennial crop activities, uh, water quantity and quality activities, including the building of, of water retention projects uh, and water storage projects, and pollinator habitat establishments providing landowners seed and the appropriate uh, tools to establish pollinator habitats. One of the activities, external activities, was led by Nature Conservancy Canada, which was their land use connectivity analysis. And three of the activities were led by International Institute for Sustainable Development, including socioeconomic analysis and spatial BMP targeting. And I'll make sure that I add the link, both to the Agriculture and Agri-Food website, Ma's website, and a direct link where our listeners can find those one-page information sheet right into the show notes afterwards so that people can find those when they're looking for them. There are numerous partners listed on the project team. Can you outline how the collaboration worked and any highlights you'd like to share? So all of the project partners that were involved in developing the proposal that was ultimately accepted by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and turned into Living Lab Eastern Prairies. Many of the partners listed on the project team are involved in the extension and knowledge and technology transfer aspects of Living Labs Eastern Prairies. They help take the results from the Living Lab Eastern Prairies project and share that information with their networks of producers and agricultural groups. Other partners, such as Nature Conservancy and, and International Institute for Sustainable Development, have direct project lead involvement in Living Labs Eastern Prairies. Probably the main highlight of Living Labs Eastern Prairies when it comes to collaboration has been with Swan Lake First Nation in the Pemina Valley Watershed District. Swan Lake First Nation has been a tremendous partner in Living Labs Eastern Prairies, participating in a number of projects throughout their reserve lands and working collaboratively with AAFC researchers and Pemina Valley Watershed District staff. They have hosted a number of site tours and participated in several Living Lab Eastern Prairies extension events. There's listeners who are interested in going to some of those site tours or the events. Where are those listed? So some of that information would be in some of the, if we have recordings and stuff, would be, be on our website. But to contact their local watershed district, they would be the ones that promote and, and put out the, the word for site tour information. Okay, perfect. Overall, what have been the main takeaways from the work completed so far? A lot of the research is being analyzed right now. So a lot of the results from the field work are to be released. And so a lot of that work is still coming. But the overall main takeaway from the work completed so far is that the Living Lab model of innovation works. We've seen it firsthand, having producers engaged with researchers within their own farming operations has fostered great discussion and co-development leading to really innovative research and results um, that we're going to be seeing coming out here in the last year of, of Living Labs Eastern Prairies. And you said the last year was in 2023, correct? Yes, the project ends on March 31st, 2023. So then if people are wanting to find some more of that information afterwards, then they can start looking kind of in the spring of 2023. I would imagine it'll come out after the completion. Absolutely. There will be some hopefully coming out in the new year from the some of the research activities that were completed last summer. But some of the data, where whether it's bee monitoring or uh, identification or other analysis like that, take some time. 
mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to complete. Yeah, it sounds like it's lots of really big projects. So there's going to be definitely a little time needed to get everything compiled and put together. What does this do for producers or why is this important for Manitoba producers to be aware of? So for participating Living Labs, Eastern Prairie's producers, there is an opportunity to try new practices at a much lower financial risk than if they were to do it on their own uh, and to have research involved uh, with that. And for some participating producers, it is an opportunity to confirm through measurements and through research that what they've been doing on their farm and within their operations for a number of years is working and they just haven't been able to put a number to it. And so that's been interesting to see farmers get that kind of confirmation that what they're doing is is helping the environment and is helping the, their production. It's helping their farm operations in general. It is important for Manitoba producers to be aware of programs such as Living Labs because the project is confirming through on-field research innovative new beneficial management practices that they can then try on their farms. And so the risk that's being taken by, by some producers as part of Living Labs is, can be beneficial to the, to the larger group. And we really look forward to getting those results out to the larger agricultural community. Sounds like it's a great initiative for people to, to learn more. And like you said, not have to take on all of that risk when there's somebody else that's trying it, that's got a little bit of that financial support in order to do those projects. What are your plans going forward and how can producers get involved? So MA is currently in the process of preparing a proposal in collaboration with a large number of partners across Manitoba, including First Nation groups, for the next iteration of Living Labs in Manitoba through the Agricultural Climate Solutions Program Open Competition. The next Living Labs in Manitoba are expected to start in late spring, summer of 2023. And MA is really looking forward to being hopefully being part of that process and putting forward a proposal that will be more inclusive and, and including more partners and more research opportunities than the previous iteration. So we are really looking forward to not only submitting our proposal, but uh, working with a new Living Labs starting next year. We always recommend that producers stay in touch with their local watershed districts for up-to-date programming. That is the easiest way. As the gatekeepers of, of all information, watershed program related, the watershed districts should be their first contact. Ma is always here to answer questions and take phone calls and emails when it comes to programming, but the Washington District should be their one-stop shop for information. And do you know at this point where the next Living Labs will be, or is that kind of top secret until that's announced? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's in the process of being, of being determined. This next iteration is a much larger project, so we're hopefully able to include more watershed districts and more producers, more research entities, including universities and and agricultural groups. So it's, it's, we're looking to be a bigger program. Uh, where exactly which farms and which locations across Manitoba know that it hasn't been identified yet. And that'll be a part of the first year, a good part of the first year of co-development. Uh, if we are successful in our proposal, a good part of that would be identifying the exact locations of, of where projects will, will take place. And is there anything else that you want to share about the Living Labs initiative? Just that MA has been, has been incredibly grateful to be part of the Living Labs initiative in Manitoba. The interest and the dedication from the watershed districts, from producers and external partners such as Nature Conservancy Canada and, and the International Institute for Sustainable Development has been just been great to be part of. The Living Labs Eastern Prairies has been a flagship of MA, one of our first big projects here that we've taken on on behalf of our watershed districts, and we've just been very proud to, uh, to be part of it. And the initiative really does work when it comes to bringing together and breaking down the barriers between producers and researchers and have that collaboration. So I'm just incredibly proud to be part of the program. 
And if producers are looking for more information or they have questions, who can they contact to, to get that? Producers can contact Ma anytime through our, our contact information on our website to discuss additional questions. But like I said before, the, the ideal point of contact for the producers is their local watershed district. Watershed districts are the information hub for producers, whether they're looking for programming options or general questions about the watershed. So we strongly, strongly encourage all Manitobans to reach out to their local watershed districts. Thank you so much, Dan, for all that information. Linda, I have a few more questions for you before we wrap up today. The Manitoba Association of Watersheds is leading the delivery of the Agricultural Climate Solutions On-Farm Climate Action Fund in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, known as the Prairie Watersheds Climate Program, or PWCP. Can you please tell me about the primary goals of PWCP and what this program means for Manitoba producers? Sure thing. The program provides up to $40 million in financial support through AAFC's On-Farm Climate Action Fund to producers in Manitoba and Saskatchewan to accelerate their adoption and implementation of on-farm beneficial management practices to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, support production efficiency, sustainability, and resiliency on their farm operations. As for what it means to Manitoba producers, our hope is that it means support. Personally, I've never met a farmer who didn't want to take care of their land as best as they possibly could, or who wasn't committed to ensuring the long-term sustainability of their farm environmentally and economically. Farmers are incredible stewards of their land, but there is still a gap preventing many producers from introducing new BMPs that will help sequester carbon and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Those barriers to implementations remain. Some may not have access to information to help them understand and manage the BMPs, and others require financial support to implement changes on farm. This program provides both educational resources about the supported BMPs, as well as financial support for producers looking to adopt new practices on their land or expand these practices onto new acres. How is the program being rolled out and how long will it be running for? The program is delivered in Manitoba through the watershed districts and in Saskatchewan by the Saskatchewan Association of Watersheds. Our eligibility dates are from February 7th, 2022 to March 31st, 2024. How do you see the PWCP funding being a positive step for both the environment and producers in Canada? With this project, we are taking a grassroots, localized approach to addressing issues related to climate change in agriculture. Supporting farmers to implement beneficial management practices on their farm will have a positive impact on Canadian agriculture as a whole. We give our thanks to AFC for funding the project and through their off-calf funding, really supporting the regionally specific programming we are able to offer through this. There are three streams of funding available, which many of our listeners have probably heard some about, and they are rotational grazing, nitrogen management, and cover crops. I know there is a ton of information to share, and we can't get to all of it today, but can you give me a brief description of each and an idea of what activities might be eligible for funding? Certainly. So the first activity we're supporting through PWCP is improving nitrogen management. So an example of that would be agronomic services to develop farm-specific nutrient management plans, equipment modifications for fertilizer application in fields, and soil sampling and analysis. 
The second BMP that we're supporting is increasing the adoption of cover cropping. So for that, for example, there's payment per acre to cover adoption or related costs such as seeds and equipment. The third activity that we're supporting is expanding the adoption of rotational grazing. Some activities that are eligible within that, for example, include agronomic services to develop grazing management plans, interior cross fencing, water system infrastructure, and legume and forage seeds. There's a lot more detail on each of those, but that's at a highlight some of the things that are considered eligible. If producers are looking for the complete information on what is and what isn't eligible, where can they go to obtain that? Our website, www.manitobawatersheds.org, has all the program information, including detailed fact sheets for each BMP. So that's a great starting point. But much like Dan said, I would strongly recommend a conversation with their producer's local watershed district for the greatest insight into the program and the priorities for the program within their area. And what are the timelines of when producers can apply? Applications are open and will remain open until this funding is spent. We encourage interested producers to apply now both for projects that are retroactive to February 7th, 2022, as well as for future planning up to March 31st, 2024. If there's producers who are looking to apply for those future ones, how do they submit, say, the information that's needed on the cost? Their application would be based then on estimates and that then verified costs once the project is complete is what the final payment structure would be based on. Uh, but certainly for projects that are being planned further out, starting with a, a solid estimate with their local provider is the best way to go. Perfect. Who can producers contact with their questions or to get more information? Our website, again, hosts all of the information about project eligibility, but I would really encourage interested producers to connect with their local district staff to inquire more about the program, understand the process, and for support in completing their application. This is one of the key strengths of working with watershed districts. Our people know this program and others inside and out and are out there on the ground to help producers get the most out of every available funding opportunity. And is there anything else about the PWCP funding or work that the Manitoba Association of Watersheds is looking forward to that you'd like to share before we wrap up? I'd just like to say that we're so proud of the work that's done by watershed districts on this program and others, and are really happy to have the opportunity to bring additional funding into the province to help producers implement new practices that are environmentally and economically sustainable. A program of this scope simply would not be possible without the support of our partners throughout both Manitoba and Saskatchewan, including, of course, the Manitoba Watershed Districts and Saskatchewan Association of Watersheds, but also industry partners like Manitoba Forage and Grasslands Association, Manitoba Beef Producers, Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiatives, Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation, Saskatchewan Forage Council, Keystone Egg Producers, and many more. Even opportunities like this conversation we've had today to help promote the program and share information are critical to ensuring producers know how to access these funds. So we can't thank you and the folks at MBFI enough for helping us to get the word out and promote the funding available through Prairie Watershed's climate program. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you guys were able to take some time today to join me on the podcast because there is so much funding available that can be very valuable to producers if they have that information. So that's great. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Really appreciate the opportunity.
The research programs and daily operations at MBFI would not be possible without funding from the Province of Manitoba, Government of Canada, and Canadian Agricultural Partnership, as well as partnership with Manitoba Agriculture, Manitoba Beef Producers, Ducks Unlimited Canada, and the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beef and Forage Roundup. For more information on the on-farm projects or upcoming extension events, please visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at mbbeefandforage. For full project reports and more information about MBFI, please visit our website, mbfi.ca. If you have feedback on the show, questions about content, are interested in becoming a project supporter, or want to submit a proposal for a research project topic, please email information at mbfi.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an upcoming episode. We've got lots to share.